You are watching Christ's Commission Fellowship. Changing lives for eternity. We are at the tail end of our series where we are talking about practicing radical love. And if you have joined us for the first time, you may notice that the words L-O-V-E actually stand for something. And if you have been with us for the longest time for, or a considerable time, I think you know what those four letters stand for. L-O-V-E stand for the core values of the CCF movement. And I would expect that many of us can say them from memory. So are we game? Let's do it. Letter L stands for? Okay, love God, love others. Our vertical relationship and our horizontal. Jesus summed it all up, said all the commandments can be summed up in just these two things. Letter O is what? Okay, it seems to be getting softer. Okay, but we will remember. Okay, that's fine. It's a noontime. Obey God's word and his appointed authorities. God's word is for our good, and his appointed authorities are there for our protection. Letter V. Ah, okay, we're getting there now again. Volunteer, meaning our treasure, talent, time. These are not ours. We don't own them. We're stewards. Let's offer them back to the Lord. And letter E. Ah, okay. So that's very recent. Engage the family. That is, those are the four core values of CCF. Now, why is it important to engage the family? For the last couple of Sundays, you and I have revisited the fact that the family is under attack. Do you agree? Yes, we all agree on that. We are on the same page. The family is definitely under attack. Now, if you are a follower of Jesus, whether you are the father, the head of that family, or you are the spouse, or you are one of the children, the point is, this afternoon we're going to talk about the unique appointment, opportunity, responsibility that you and I have as followers of Jesus living in a family. And it's very possible that other members of our families are not yet committed followers of Christ. And you and I, as we engage the family, what this really means is that we are to live in such a way that we do our best under the power of the Holy Spirit and trusting in the sovereignty of God that we will be able to influence our family towards Jesus. That's really the only thing it means. That's why we need to engage the family. Now, another review. How do we engage the family? Remember the letters M, R, I. I forgot what MRI means. Is that what you're thinking now? No, I don't think you forgot yet. Let's review. How do we engage the family? Letter M is modeling. Okay, why is modeling important? Well, fill in the blanks for me, folks. Children, family members, people in general will listen with their... One more time. Children, family members, and people in general will listen with their... Some people have a different answer. Now, I know physiologically, we listen with our ears. But you know what people really listen with? Who said eyes? I heard somebody say eyes. Were you guessing or were you dreaming? People listen with their eyes. And that's why modeling is so important. Because what we do speaks more loudly than what we say. What people see impacts their lives more greatly than what they hear. That's why modeling is so important. The next letter is what? Letter R stands for relationships, rebooting, building relationships. What is the principle behind that? It is the deeper, the stronger the relationships, the greater the influence, the greater the engagement. Now, let me give an example of how these two principles work. Do you remember this quotation from last Sunday shared by Pastor Peter? Zig Ziglar said, As the family goes, so goes the nation. Do you remember this? That's how important the family is because truly, as the family goes, so goes the nation. Now, let me show you another quotation. Remember, this was by Zig Ziglar. 
Here's another quotation. Some lessons I learned from dad. Dad always hugged mom first when he came home. Dad called me, my sisters, and mom going to and coming home from the airport each time he traveled. Dad held mom's hand and opened doors for her every chance he got. He wrote us all notes, especially on books or articles he thought we might like to read. He would admire mom from a distance and make comments to me and my sisters about his love for her. The list goes on and on. Do you know who said this? It was Tom Ziegler, Zig Ziegler's son. The impact of modeling and building relationships. But now we are on the last letter. What letter are we in? Letter I, intentionality. Intentionality is the wrapper over everything because we model intentionally. We build relationships and we reboot them intentionally. Everything we do in this life must be intentional. Now, before we go on, I want to tell you, I myself have made several mistakes as a husband and as a father. And I have seen and lived with the consequences of my shortcomings. But rather than dwell on regret and thinking how I could have done something else if I could turn back the time which I cannot, I would rather dwell on the fact that our God is a God of hope. And perhaps there are some of you here like me. You've made mistakes. You've fallen short. I want to encourage you, my brother, my sister, that it is never too late to engage the family, never too late to model, never too late to build relationships, and never too late to be intentional. Why is intentionality so important? Let me explain to you. How many of you in this room are familiar with the game Spot the Differences? or spot the changes, okay? You've seen that maybe in the newspaper. I'm going to show you two pictures side by side. They may look very similar, but you need to spot the changes, okay? The difference, there are eight of them, eight differences. And of course, since I like the Avengers, the picture is, you know, Marvel superheroes. Now look closely. Do you see the differences? Look closely. There are eight of them at least eight of them. Well, since we don't have all day, I'll show you what they are. That's the first one, number one. Number two. Number three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. And eight, way down in the corner. So folks, what makes a game like Spot the Difference fun? It's supposed to be difficult. Now, maybe for small children, this, be, this will be difficult. Maybe for us, not so. But some of these are really puzzling. And that's what makes them challenging and fun. But let me tell you what's not fun. When the world looks at the life of a follower of Jesus, and they look at the rest of the world, and it takes them forever to spot the difference, that's not fun when they cannot see the difference between the life of everybody else in this world or anybody else off the street versus the life of a proclaimed follower of Jesus Christ, if they cannot spot the difference, if it takes them forever squinting and having to put on their glasses and turn on the light, that's not fun. That's why we need to be intentional. Ed Stetzer, he's the LifeWay Research Director, he said this. He surveyed a bunch of people who are not followers of Jesus. And this is what he found. A full 72% of the people interviewed said they think the church is full of hypocrites, meaning the talk does not match the walk. At the same time, however, 71% of the respondents said they believe Jesus makes a positive difference in a person's life. And 78% said they would be willing to listen to someone who wanted to share what they believed about Christianity. Many people in this world, believe it or not, they have hearts that have been ready to hear the truth. What they need is exhibit A 
of how that truth translates into everyday life. And that's why you and I need to do what the message is this afternoon. Our message is, can we say this together? Live intentionally. Once again, live intentionally. Tell, tell the sleepy person next to you, hey, live intentionally. And I'd like to offer all of us a definition of intentionality, and that is, intentionality is living each day in line with God's purpose and in contrast to the world. So, we see a few things in this definition. Number one, intentionality has to do with our life. And not just our life on Sunday in church or our life when we attend our small group or Bible study. It has to do with everyday life. And then it has two components. As we live intentionally, it means that we live first in line with God's purpose. That's part A. That's where we'll be spending most of our time this afternoon, in line with God's purpose. Second thing, in contrast to the world. And I can guarantee everyone in this room, based on the Word of God, if we live according to God's purpose, 100%, we will definitely live as a result in contrast to the world. Are we okay so far? Guys up there, we're okay? This is our main passage, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Notice how Jesus begins. He doesn't begin by saying what we should do. He begins by telling us who we are, because doing comes after being. Now, who did Jesus say we are in this verse? Okay. It sounds like you don't believe Him. If there is anybody in this universe you and I must believe, it's who? It's Jesus. Now, He said in the present tense, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are the salt of the earth. Are you the salt of the earth today? Okay, 22 people believe they are the salt of the earth. Are you the salt of the earth right now? Yes, you and I are salt of the earth by appointment. Jesus said, you are now the salt of the earth, whether you like it or else. But the challenge, the reason why we need to be intentional, it's simply this. God was intentional appointing you and appointing me to be salt of the earth. You and I now need to be intentional to live up to the calling that we have received. All right? Now, salt during Jesus' time was a very precious commodity. Today, you go to the supermarket and you have 12 brands of salt and you just pick one off and you pay for it at the counter. But during Jesus' time, salt was precious. As a matter of fact, uh, it, it was used among, for many things, among other things, as a preservative. They had no refrigerators at the time and no electricity to plug it in even if they had one. So they would preserve meat using salt. Today, we are salt of the earth so that you and I, by the power of the Spirit of God, can help prevent, arrest, even reverse the decay that is threatening to ruin our families today. That's why we are salt of the earth. Now, salt at the same time was something that would enhance flavor. We are salt of the earth because through the lives that people observe, we would like to show them that there is a flavor, a desirable flavor in living in relationship with Jesus, something that the world could never offer, ever. It could never manufacture anything that would even come close. At the same time, salt causes thirst. And we pray that by the grace of God, as people observe the lives of followers of Jesus, they will develop a thirst for the Savior and the Lord, whom we lift up in worship and serve and live for every day. But how does our salt become tasteless? It says here, the salt can become tasteless. How does that happen? Well, when you and I do not live intentionally, 
when we simply recede and blend into the backdrop of this world and people can no longer spot the difference. That's when the salt loses its saltiness. So, brethren, who are we? We are salt of the earth. Now, it doesn't stop there. Jesus goes on. He says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand and let it give light to all who are in the house. Light was also a precious thing. Today, we just flick on the switch. We expect the light to come on. And when it does not, we say, oh, bummer, I got to change the bulb or brown out na naman. But folks, light is precious. You ask the people in Marawi who suffered through blackouts at the height of the violence, they will tell you how precious light is. And Jesus says, you are not only salt of the earth, you are what? Light of the world. And he says, do not keep it hidden. It would be ridiculous for something so precious to be put under a basket. How do we put light under a basket? Same thing. When we are not intentional and we blend into the rest of the darkness of this world so that no one can spot the difference or it becomes very difficult. So remember, Jesus begins by talking about who we are before he reveals what we should do. He says, you are the light of the world. What is the action point? It is here. Let your light shine before men in such a way. Look at the intentionality of his statement. Let your light shine in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Oh, people might think I'm drawing attention to myself. Listen, that's not our problem. Jesus said, guaranteed, who will get the glory? our Father in heaven. So let your light shine. That's what Jesus said. Our intentionality in daily living is simply a response to God's intentionality in our lives. When He said, you are the salt of the earth, you are the light of the world, therefore live according to the appointment you have received, according to my purpose for your life. That's why our definition again of intentionality is, it is living each day in line with God's purpose and in contrast to the world. So let's take the first part first. Live intentionally in line with God's purpose. Okay, let's dwell on that for the better part of our time together. How many of you have heard of this new, well, I think it's relatively new series. It's called Designated Survivor. Anybody seen this, Designated Survivor? Uh, what episode? Are, oh, never mind. It's really an amazing series. I had been ignoring it for the longest time until one, one of our brothers said, you know, you got to see this series. Let me just relate to you the simple plot, okay, without giving anything away. Anyway, there's going to be one episode after another. I don't know when it will end. The simple plot is this. The president, the vice president of the United States, the cabinet, all of Congress, they are in the U.S. Capitol because the president is delivering the State of the Nation address. Now, just in case, in the highly unlikely event that something happens to all of these people, including the vice president, the president himself, all, in case something catastrophic happens and they all die, what they, do, what they did is they took one cabinet secretary and they isolated him in an undisclosed safe place. Because just in case one in a million something happens to all of these people, all of the leaders of the U.S., he will be the designated survivor. And lo and behold, in episode one, the pilot episode, I'm already telling you what you will see. The U.S. Capitol is bombed. The president dies, the vice president dies, the cabinet, all the other cabinet secretaries, the whole of Congress, they are all dead. So this guy, he is the secretary of housing. Okay, I mean, with all due respect, it's like not the most glamorous of positions, right? And it's like 
he watches the thing explode. And he realizes in a few moments he will become what? The president of the United States, the leader of the free world. And so even as he's shaking and his wife and family don't even know what's happening, you know, the people come in and they swear him in to be the president of the United States. In the blink of an eye, he is thrust into that position. The office, the power, the privilege, the responsibility are all his all of a sudden. And so everybody is watching him now. Will he live up to his position? That's what the series is about. Now you guys watch it and you find out the answer. But the more important question is, you and I have been appointed by Jesus to be what? Salt of the earth, light of the world. Will you and I live up to the position we have been given? By the way, you know, there, we, you and I have been appointed to be more than just salt, more than just light. Would you like to know more about what God has appointed us to? Okay, I will tell you, even if you're not answering me. Never mind. 2 Corinthians 5.20 Therefore, we are... Wow! Ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Folks, what is an ambassador? By the way, before that, are we ambassadors of Christ? Are we ambassadors of Christ right now? Okay. Mr. Ambassador, I am privileged to be in the same room with you, sir. Madam Ambassador, it is my privilege to be in the same room with you this afternoon. Tell the person next to you, I am privileged to meet you, Mr. or Miss Ambassador. Go ahead. Tell them. You and I are ambassadors for Christ. What is an ambassador? Okay. An ambassador is a high-ranking official. He is a high-ranking official who is a citizen of a certain nation, but he is placed in another nation where he does not belong to represent the nation to which he belongs. I think we all understand that. Now, by the way, how many of us are Filipino citizens? Filipino citizen, okay. How many of us are senior citizen? How many of us are citizens of heaven? Ah, you're so happy you can raise your hand. But remember, we are ambassadors for Christ. So we represent the King of heaven. We represent God's nation. The Bible says we are a holy nation set apart by God for His glory to proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. So what is the job of the ambassador? Well, in this case, it's very clear. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In other words, through our speech, through our daily behavior, what we are to communicate to the people around us, beginning with those in our family who do not know Jesus, is a very simple message, a very urgent message, a very sincere message, which is, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And the position of ambassador is never forever. It is only temporary. And you and I need to know we have only so much time as ambassadors for Christ. We do not even know how long our appointment will be. And when God says, game over, it's over. That's why we need to be what? Intentional. Are we good so far? Salt of the earth? What else? Light of the world? What else? Ambassadors for Christ. Okay, what else? Well, Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be, oh, my witnesses, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, even to the ends, remotest parts of the earth. Now, this verse is in the future tense. 
The reason why it's in the future tense is because when it was spoken, the Holy Spirit had not yet come. But that is now a thing of the past because the Holy Spirit is in you, the Holy Spirit is in me. Therefore, we are salt of the earth, light of the world, ambassadors for Christ, and we are witnesses. What is a witness? A witness is simply a person who has personal knowledge and experience about something or someone. Now, let me ask you, we who proclaim to be followers of Jesus, do we have personal knowledge and experience about Jesus? Of course. He has made the biggest difference in our lives. No one will ever even come close. So let me ask you, how can you and I be witnesses? By the way, can we be witnesses even without a theology degree? Okay. Can we be witnesses even if we don't finish all of the levels of the GLC curriculum of CCF? Now, don't get me wrong. We want you to attend GLC, okay? We want you to be equipped because these have been carefully um, put together so that you and I can grow in Christ. But let me ask you another, another question. Can we finish all the levels of our GLC curriculum but still not be a good witness? You are right. And that is the sad truth because it's not just about what we have up here. It's about being, what are we talking about today? It's about being intentional. So how can you and I be a witness in the context of our family? I go back to an age-old answer. Remember the three words? Pray, care, share. You know, many times we talk about this in the context of the outside world. You know, people outside, maybe in our office, and that's okay. But perhaps we need to plow back and say, wait a minute, pray, care, share. What about my family members, the ones that I've probably taken for granted all of these years, the ones who have seen maybe the worst in me because my guard is down when I'm with my family members? Can I pray with them? Can I show them genuine care? Can I share with them what Jesus has done for me? And of course, the answer is yes because God has appointed us to be His witnesses. So, salt of the earth, light of the world, ambassadors for Christ, witnesses. I'll give you one more. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons. Amazing. Adopted children of God by His, it says here, through Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the kind, look at this word, bullseye, the kind intention of His will. Such was the intentionality of God. Even before we were born, even before time began, He already chose you and me to be His adopted child. Now, I'm not going to get into this whole debate about predestination and all that stuff. I'm just going to believe what the Bible says, if that's okay with you. The Bible says you and I have been chosen. What looks, okay, let me ask you this question. If today you're a follower of Jesus, look back at your life. Did you have any clue before you gave your life to Jesus? Before. Did you have any clue that you were going to become a follower of Jesus? Did you have any clue in your life that someday you would receive Him as personal Lord and Savior? Did you? None. I had no clue. I was living life the way I thought life was meant to be lived until God made His intentional move in my life. And that was 30-plus years ago. Just to show you that what seem to, be, seem to be coincidences are actually God's intentionality. When He says, it is time that you join my spiritual family, according to the kind intention of His will, nothing will stop it from happening. Let me tell you a story that happened just yesterday morning. You saw the video of the mega sports camp, right? Somebody shared with me an amazing incident that happened only yesterday morning. A parent and a child were in a taxi coming to CCF to attend the mega sports camp. They got off the cab, and the child left the 
sling bag that said Mega Sports Camp in the taxi, by mistake. The cab sped off, and as the driver was, I don't know where he was, he looked and he said, oh, the bag was left behind. And he looked and he said, Mega Sports Camp. Oh, this, might, this must be in that place where I dropped off that parent and child. So he turns around and he comes all the way back to CCF. He parks his taxi. He takes the bag and he walks out and he approaches one of our volunteers. And he said, sir, can you help me find the owner of this bag? See, it says Mega Sports Camp. Ladies and gentlemen, there were almost 600 children here. All of them had a bag exactly like that. But our volunteer said, I will help you. But in the meantime, can I share something with you? And this volunteer shared the gospel with the taxi driver. And in tears, the taxi driver accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Ano ba? Chamba lang ba yun? That is God's intentionality. Because that was the day He ordained that there will be rejoicing in heaven over the life of that single solitary person whom God drew to Himself to bring back a bag. And that's exactly how intentional God was with you and with me. That's why what is called for now is to live intentionally in line with God's purpose. So how does that look like? What does the application of living according to God's purpose look like? First of all, in Ephesians 4.1, the Apostle Paul writes, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Let me ask you, is the, is the Apostle Paul using soft language or strong language? It is very strong. In other words, he wasn't saying, uh, guys, I think it'll be a good idea if maybe you could spare the time, only if it's okay with your schedule, you know, if it's, maybe it'll be good if you walk in a manner worthy of the calling, you know, the, the one you received. I mean, only if it's okay. I mean, I don't want to bother you. Did he say that? No. He said, I implore you. It's like the world and the future depended on that, which it does. Because as goes the family, so goes society. He says, I implore you, addressing followers of Jesus. And he said, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. When you see the word walk, what this really means is how you live, how you go about every day of your life. Walk in a manner, again, very intentional, in a specific manner. How? Worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Being precedes doing. Jesus put us in a position so that by the power of His Spirit and grace, we should live up and live and walk according to where He has placed you and me. So how does that look like in the family context? Now, we'll be looking at verses we have seen in the last few Sundays, but there's no running away from them. They are the application in the family context. For example, wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Now, I need to be careful because they, I may be construed to be speaking in a self-serving way since I am obviously a husband. So I decided to ask my wife, can you tell me, I asked her, just a story about how do, you, how do you drive this point home to your fellow wives? And she told me a very simple but very appropriate story. She said one day, one of the wives in our small group approached my wife. And so this 
one of the wives was telling my wife. This was her issue. She was saying, you know what? I really can't understand my children. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. So my wife asked, why? What's the matter with your children? And so this wife said, well, when I ask them to do something, even a simple thing, it takes them so long just to get up and do it. And they're dragging their feet like they had a ball and chain. And their faces are all pouting. What is wrong with them? I don't know what to do with them anymore. And God gave my wife wisdom. And she plainly asked this wife and mother. She said, when your husband asks you to do something, how do you respond? And they looked at each other, and they made an amazing discovery. Because it turned out this lady, when her husband asked her to do something, even a simple thing, she realized, how does she respond? It takes her so long to get up and do something. And she's dragging her feet like she had a ball and chain, and her face is pouting all over the place. That's why modeling is so important. It can work both ways. Okay. Husbands, you are smiling, but you're next. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. You know, this verse is a lot shorter. Maybe it's because men can absorb less than women. I really don't know. But this is so important. Now, how does this work in the family context? Again, I'll just give you a simple example. I think it was Zig Ziglar who said that the best thing a father can do for his children is to love their mother. The best thing a father can do for their children, for his children, is to love their mother. Now, many of you know that my wife has, for many years now, uh, had many health challenges. All kinds, diabetes, cancer, and other stuff in between. And for uh, many of our 30-plus years, 33 in December, married life, um, she has had many challenges, health-wise. But by the grace of God, in almost all of these experiences, God has allowed me to be her primary caregiver. 99% of the times that she had been confined or maybe at home because she's sick, including only last Thursday when I called the office and said, I'm not coming in. You can send work over here, but I'm going to stay with my wife. I have been given the privilege of being her primary caregiver by her side and seeing to her needs. Now, many years later, five years ago, when my son got married, when our son on his wedding day he stood up to share something in front of the congregation at his wedding day. One of the things he said, I will never forget. He said, referring to his new wife, his bride, he said, if and when my wife gets sick, I promise I will take care of her just like my dad would take care of my mom. You know, you live for these things. Being able to pass on such a value to the next generation. Now, here, Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Children, I'd like to encourage you. You may be young, not so young, but you can make an impact in your family as you obey and honor your parents. I was speaking to a man just a couple of days ago, a man who years ago was deep into womanizing. He had hurt his wife. He had hurt his children so deeply, perhaps in the eyes of the world, beyond repair. But then his wife became a follower of Jesus. His children became followers of Jesus. It was only the husband who was so stiff-necked, you know, 
and they were wondering when will his turn come, if ever it will. Though I asked him, now of course he's a devoted follower of Jesus, I asked him, what role did your children play in the turnaround of your life? And he said, well, you know, when I, I realized how deeply I had hurt them, and I wouldn't blame them if they hated me for the rest of their lives. But as I looked at my children, he said, I was so amazed at the forgiveness that they gave me. As a matter of fact, one time he was talking to his son, and perhaps he was trying to fish for any bitterness and anger in his son's heart. He could not find any. And so, these children impacted their father to the point where he said, I have no better decision to make on this earth but to give my life to Jesus. And now this family is serving the Lord together as one. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Last Sunday, Pastor Peter told us many of the reasons why a father or a parent can provoke their children to anger, exasperate them, and that is unreasonable standards, too many rules, comparison, hypocrisy, favoritism, all of these things. Now, let me tell you, one of my uh, personality issues, one of my... Um, I guess you might say character flaws for many years was perfectionism and performance, um, I guess, assessing people according to their performance, performance orientation. And so as our children were growing up, I needed to be intentional in communicating to them that our love for them was not based on performance. Of course, we would encourage them to do according to their giftedness and their skill because that's good stewardship. But we made it very clear, I made it very clear to them that our love for them had nothing to do with their performance. And then I would test them. I would say, do, mom, do mommy and daddy love you more when your grades are high or when your grades are low? Now, most of the world is performance-oriented. The answer would easily be, of course you love us more when our grades are high. But praise God, they caught it right away. And they would answer rightly every time. They'd say, no, Dad, you and Mom love us the same, regardless of what our grades turn out to be. And just a few months ago, I had the privilege of driving our grandson to his school. And he understands the same principle. And he looked up at me before he got down from the car. He said, is it true that whether I'm in the top section or the second section or the last section, you will still love me the same? And of course he knows the answer. And I said, yes, we still love you the same. So folks, what is the whole idea behind being intentional? It's to set in motion something that will last beyond your lifetime and my lifetime. Just like in Psalm 78, it says, listen, O my people, to my instruction. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us, meaning our, our tatai, our lolo, our grand lolo. It has been handed down, and now it's going to be passed on. It says, we will not conceal them from their children, but tell to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and His strength and His wondrous works that He has done that the generation to come might know, even children yet to be born. Look at how intentional this is, that they may arise and tell them to their children after them that they should put their confidence in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. The whole idea is to set something in motion that will outlast you and outlast me. And like I said, if you're like me and you've messed up or made mistakes along the way, it's all right. It's never too late. And the person who's going to share with us in just a moment will show us how gracious God is that it is never too late to be intentional and to disciple and to be uh, intentional in the context of family. Will you please welcome our brother, Sam Evangelista. Good afternoon. I met my wife inside the plane going to Saudi Arabia. Uh, that was December 5, 1992. And then our relationship, our friendship grew that after two years, we met again for the second time inside the plane and we got married in Manila and went back to Saudi Arabia to work. But in June 
1996, we both resigned from our respective jobs and uh, work in a church planting ministry. We also decided to study in a, grad, uh, in a seminary for our graduate studies. At first, our family and ministry life did well. But after a few years, the scene of pride, immorality crept in my life. I violated my marriage vows. As a consequence, I had to resign from the ministry and undergo process of discipline. The journey towards restoration was a humbling and painful experience. But with the help of Christian friends, I was able to recover and heal. By God's grace, He has delivered me from the bandage of sexual immorality, impurity, and pride. Now, I'm happy to share that God has restored my, relations, my relationship with my wife, whom I have been married for for 22 years. And God has also restored my relationship with my two kids, Kyle and Praise. Kyle is a fourth-year BS accountancy student, and Praise is a grade 7 homeschool, uh, student of Homeschool Global. After three years of discipline, God slowly, God slowly led me back to do Bible study again. I began to join my wife and her team in bringing Bibles and gospel tracts to different parts of the country as she is the head of an international parachurch organization. We organize marriage enrichment retreat, pastor's kids retreat, among our partners in the provinces of Quezon, Palawan, and Eastern Samar. As God expanded our ministry in reaching every home for Christ, He gave me the burden to intentionally disciple my children, especially Kyle, our eldest. In my heart, I know that I would not be able to bring back the lost years and opportunities. But I believe that with God, we can start all over again. At first, I was hesitant to disciple Kyle. I felt that I did not have the moral authority because of the way I conducted myself in the past. But as the Lord continued to use me and transform me in the ministry, the more I realized how important it is for me to disciple my own son. We would set time to work on something together at home or outside. When our schedules are busy, we would make it a point to talk to each other even for just 10 to 15 minutes. I realized that spending time talking with him can be so meaningful and emotional for both of us that our eyes perspire. I also drive him to the highway even when I'm tired so he could ride the jeepney or FX. So he could take the jeepney and FX easily going to school. By doing this, we get the chance to talk to each other during the short drive. Kyle and, have, Kyle, Kyle and I have a very different personalities. But the more we spend time together, the more we get to know each each other better and respect each other. We can now talk about anything, including why I failed in the past and how I learned from my mistakes. The more we talk about my past, healing comes in. He now understands the whole picture of the story and how God is using it for His glory. I listen to whatever Kyle wants to share and guide him especially in the area of love and passion for God and ministry. Since he plays the guitar, I bring him with me as I do Bible study in Valenzuela, in Caloocan, when I do wake services, child dedication, and hospital visitation. He also joins me in bringing Bibles and gospel tracts in the provinces and would occasionally lead the young people to a time of devotion. By involving Kyle with me in the ministry, it gives us the opportunity to know each other better as a father and son and as a ministry team. Just a few days ago, Kyle and I were together in Pulillo, Quezon, teaching the Be a Better Dad, where he shared his testimony about our journey as a family. And being part of the family ministry, I also gave him the opportunity to serve together with our daughter, Praise.
God has also added a new dimension to our discipleship journey. In November of last year, I had the burden to reach out to Kyle's classmates in the university. I invited them to come to our house for lunch and taste my binagoongang baboy. And after lunch, I began talking to each of them in a very casual manner and eventually shared the gospel of salvation. By God's grace, they all accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And since then, we have been meeting together regularly in the mall or in our house. We usually spend an hour and 30 minutes for discipleship. Praise God. Praise God. I am ready to listen, and they can always come to me for advice. During our meetings, I try my best to make the conversation light and fun, to make our time more enjoyable. But we would always end with the Word of God and prayer. My hope is for Kyle to take over in handling this discipleship group of future accountants for God. Although this is a big responsibility for him, I am confident that as I intentionally disciple Kyle, he will be prepared and ready when the right time comes. I am Sam Urquia Evangelista po, a recipient of God's amazing grace. To God be the glory. Praise God indeed. Well, it's not only binagoong ang baboy that those young people tasted. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I believe that's what they were really treated to that day. Shall we pray for Sam, his families over there? Shall we stand and pray for all them? By the way, their small group leader is Manny Manansala, who is heading our family ministry. So it's no surprise that their hearts beat the same way, right? So shall we pray for them? Father, we thank you so much for Sam, for his family, and for your grace. Truly, it is amazing in his life. And God, we draw encouragement from him, from his example, that in spite of whatever we may have been deficient in months or even years ago, you are a God who redeems and reboots our walk with you so that we can walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which we have been called. And God, I pray for him and his wife, their daughter, their son, Kyle, their ministry together. God, I just pray that you will pour out your blessing in manifold ways upon this family, that they may clearly be seen as your ambassadors on this earth. Wherever you may bring them, be a, bless them to be a blessing. And I pray for Manny and Lisa and their family as well. Oh God, may you use their lives to impact many more people as they share their burden, that indeed the family may be the epicenter of the revelation of your grace, your person, and your power. So God, we commit them to you now, and we just give you honor, glory, praise, and thanksgiving in the name of your Son, Jesus, and all your people said, amen and amen. Thanks, brothers. So, as we kind of wind down our time together, we said there's a second part to living intentionally, and that is to live intentionally, hang on, in contrast to the world, right? Again, let me just put it back on, live intentionally in contrast to the world. Now, in Ephesians, it says, therefore, be careful how you walk, how we live each day, not as unwise men, but as wise making the most of your time. Again, it speaks about intentionality. Why? Because the days are evil. Do you believe the days are evil? You know, even centuries ago, the days were evil. During the uh, Greco-Roman time, uh, society was just plagued with evil, abuse, corruption, immorality, decay. And yet, because Christians lived intentionally centuries ago, they impacted the world in, in ways like this. Human rights, value of women and children, helping the poor, charitable institutions, caring for the sick, the establishment of hospitals, education, the sanctity of marriage and family, dignity of work, arts, music, literature, science. You know, most if not all of these things were going in the exact opposite direction because of the decay of society back then. But when Christians lived intentionally, this is how it impacted the world. 
that the question is today, 21st century, and we all said that days are evil. Will God's people impact the world in the same way? Because the days are indeed evil. I'd like to show you a short video of what the next many Sundays will be about. We will be tackling issues, real-life issues, that threaten and plague today's society and today's family. Let's watch this brief presentation. What appears to be normal, everyday life is actually a battle. A battle for hearts, minds, and souls. A battle with our families at stake. We are at war. Every day we walk into enemy territory, whether we realize it or not. The enemy has concealed landmines all over, designed to destroy and kill. These landmines are issues our families face today. We need to watch our step. We need to walk only where Jesus tells us to. Join us as we unearth these landmines that endanger our families. So folks, for the next several Sundays, we'll be tackling the minefield. Again, these are real issues, and you and I will discover together how relevant God's Word is even up to this day as we face the evils that threaten to decay and to derail our families and society itself. As we wrap up our time together, let me just share one more story with you. How many of you are familiar with the name Al Capone? You've heard of him? I know you don't know him personally, but you've heard of his name. Al Capone was a uh, gangster in the 1920s during the time of the Prohibition. And he was a very successful outlaw, if you want to say that. I, and he was very rich, very powerful, very influential. And if you ask yourself, how did he keep himself out of jail? It was largely because of a man called Easy Eddie. Easy Eddie was the lawyer of Al Capone, very talented uh, legal mind, and he was in charge of all of the maneuverings that would keep a notorious man like Al Capone, who was even at one time proclaimed as public enemy number one, out of jail. But you see, Easy Eddie was rewarded handsomely for his effort. He had a huge house, servants, and lots and lots of money because he was very uh, key in Al Capone's success. But at one time, Easy Eddie had a thought cross his mind. You see, he had a very young son. And Easy Eddie at one time had, you might say, an epiphany. And he said, am I going to leave this kind of legacy to my young son, all of this wealth? acquired through these dark and devious ways. And at that point, Easy Eddie made a decision that he's, he was going to make a U-turn in his life. And so, to make the long story short, he went to the authorities, he told them the truth about Al Capone, and in 1931 or 32, Al Capone was thrown in jail, largely because of the revelations and the testimony of Easy Eddie. Some years later, in 1939, Easy Eddie was gunned down in cold blood, died on the spot. Many people believe it was the work, long arm of Capone and his hoodlums. Now really, was this worth the decision to pursue another direction in his life? He paid with his own blood. Was it worth it? Well, only time will tell, as they say. In the meantime, let me tell you another story. Let me tell you about Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare. He was a young fighter pilot based on the aircraft carrier Lexington in World War II in the Pacific Theater. In February 1942, Lieutenant Commander Butch O'Hare took off with the rest of his squadron in pursuit of the enemy. Now, something had happened. Perhaps by mistake, his plane was not fueled properly. He had not enough gas, not enough fuel to perform his mission. So he had to leave his squadron and come back to the Lexington. In the meantime, on the way back to the aircraft carrier, he met a Japanese squadron, and he engaged them courageously all by himself. 
And so he vented all of his ammunition on these enemy planes. And when his ammunition was fresh out and he had nothing more to fire, he used his plane as a weapon, trying to clip a wing or a tail just to bring down this Japanese squadron. And eventually, the enemy squadron uh, left, turned around, and he flew back his plane in tatters back on the Lexington. And he, as a result, was awarded the Medal of Honor. He was the first flying ace in World War II. One year later, at the age of 29, he was killed in action. What is the connection between the two stories? Well, first of all, Butch O'Hare, the Chicago airport was named after him. But more significantly, Butch O'Hare was Easy Eddie's son. What kind of impact does intentionality make beyond what we can imagine? Only time will tell. The message today is to live intentionally. And the definition of live intentionally is Intentionality is living each day in line with God's purpose and in contrast to the world. As we end our time, I ask the music team, the choir, and the musicians to bless us with a special song number. This song number is not a Christian song, but I would like to believe the message to us is encouraging because I know some of you, perhaps many, I believe, of you here, you really want to be salt and light and ambassadors and witnesses and live as children of God and impact your families for Jesus. And perhaps you've been trying and you've been trying and you've been doing your best. But perhaps there are times when you think, is it worth it? Is something happening? Am I really making a difference? Am I really making an impact? Well, I'd like to encourage you wherever you are. The Bible assures you and me that our labor in the Lord is not in vain. Whatever we do for Jesus will count for eternity, and you and I have no clue what kind of impact it will make. You and I just need to be intentional. I pray we are blessed by this song. is one voice singing so they hear what's on your mind and when you look around you'll find there's more than one voice singing in the darkness
Perhaps you feel you are that one voice in the darkness. Just keep singing, be salt, and be light. But perhaps you're here this afternoon, and you realize you are that person who is in the dark. You have no relationship with Jesus. Well, God is so intentional. He brought you here today because you have an appointment with Him. He wants you to be part of His family. He wants to pluck you out of that darkness, and He wants to put a new song in your heart. If you are that person, you know who you are. I probably do not, but you know, and God knows. Shall we bow our heads together? And if you are that person, you are not in a relationship with Jesus. This is your divine appointment. Will you respond to Him? Will you respond to the intentionality of His love in your life? And will you simply say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your love for me. And I want to respond this afternoon, Lord Jesus, by opening my heart and receiving you into my life. I have been living my life my way for my goals, and yet, Lord, now I realize you gave your life so that I could have new life in me and pursue a life in relationship with you, a life that knows forgiveness, is assured of eternity in your presence, and even your very presence dwelling within me for the rest of my earthly life. And so, Lord Jesus, I trust you to come into my life at this moment as I declare you to be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for your love for me. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your eternal and divine intentionality, that you have called us to yourself and appointed us to be who we are, and have given us your spirit that we may live up to the calling we have received. Our prayer is that by your grace we will be found faithful every moment of every day, that we may live for your pleasure and glory and to point others to your glorious presence. Use us in your mighty way, according to your mighty plan. We are at your disposal, O God. We are but your servants. And this we commit and pray in Jesus' name and all of the people said, Amen and Amen. God bless you, everyone. Connect with CCF through the following websites. Jumpstart your spiritual journey by joining a small group. We are so blessed you were able to join us today. God bless and see you next time.